Let's pray. Father, we come to you now to hear what you have to say to us from your word to our spirits, to our hearts, to our minds, to our beings. Let us be open to hear from you now. And Lord, use me as your instrument at this time. Amen. So, as I said at the beginning of the meeting, today we conclude our mini-series on the gifts of the Spirit. We've looked at the manifestation gifts. Now I want to look at the motivation gifts. Now, these are the gifts that God has given us, no matter whether we follow and serve Him or not. They are not dependent on our spiritual condition, but our spiritual condition will determine how we use them. Romans 11:29 says this. I'm going to read from two versions. For God's gifts and His calls are irrevocable, or for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God gives us these gifts whether we are saved or not. There are things that He's placed within us. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men and women, in brackets, all mankind. Okay, God works all of them in all men. No two of us are exactly alike, because God has created us all to be unique. Do you realize that? That you are unique. There's only one of you, can only ever be one of you. Even identical twins are unique. Okay, he has given us different gifts as well. Once we realize that our different gifts are God-given, we will learn to submit to one another, and we'll also be effective in ministering to one another. Each gift has been carefully placed to be the most effective in the body of Christ. And a body cannot function properly if it has a part missing. We must find out what we have to give and then do it. We must honestly evaluate ourselves to find where we fit in. We must not have an exaggerated opinion of ourselves or a low opinion as well. That's just as bad as having an exaggerated opinion of yourself. And the devil loves it if we have a low low opinion of ourselves. We must rate ourselves as God sees us, not as the world or as the devil will try and tell us we are. We are We are as much a part of the whole body as the next person, and we are dependent on one another. We are dependent on one another. Remember, we are a body united in love, interacting and communicating with one another. Timothy was warned by Paul in in 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gifts. Do not neglect the gift that you received when hands were laid on you. Okay? So the motivation gifts are gifts specifically or specially designed by God for each one of us, and they are usually the things we love doing and do naturally. Romans 12:45 says just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ who we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others These motivation gifts are found in the following scriptures Romans 12:6 to 8 
We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So here we see serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. 1 Peter 4, 9 to 11 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So here we see hospitality, speaking, prophecy, and serving. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, And in the church God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. And here we see two more of these gifts, help and administration. As I go through these various gifts, I'll speak alternately of the person with these gifts as either he or she, okay? But please realize that they are interchangeable. It's not the men have certain ones and the ladies have others, and, you know, we, we all can have these gifts. It's not just as a, but I'm just speaking as either male or female. So remember, none of us is perfect, so we might not display all these characteristics fully, as well. You'll see I'll describe some characteristics, and you might not have all of them. So don't just count that, oh, I don't have that gift, because there's one or two things that are missing. That that can't be me, Um, you know, because you've got five out of the seven or whatever it is. Don't just count yourself with that. So firstly, let's look at the first one is serving. This is the person who loves to serve others practically, to help. He is the one you can depend on when you need help. He seems tireless and is always active. He actually looks for ways to serve. He gets on with the job. He is motivated to do, to do things right now. He has stamina and seems to ignore weariness and work tirelessly to complete what he has to do. He will sacrifice himself, his time, his funds, as long as the job gets done without hindrance. He finds it difficult to say no and will even go the extra mile. He dislikes time limits and enjoys achieving short-term goals. The motivation is to fulfill a need, whether it be physical, mental, or spiritual. His eagerness can irritate and threaten other people, and his obsession with promptness can sometimes seem pushy and demanding. He can be intolerant of others who are not like him, and he can be difficult to work with if he bypasses procedures and does things his way. If he's not careful, he can ignore his own needs and those of his family. He is often too busy to accept help. He has a great desire to be appreciated and praised, but is sometimes viewed with suspicion by others who think he is trying to find favor with leadership by his actions. And this hurts. Servers are greatly needed in the church. They are God-given. They need to be appreciated, loved, recognized, and complimented. And they get things done. 
Now, my dad was like that. He loved helping other people. He was always available to help other people, and, and often to the neglect of us as his family. I mean, my dad was a welder boilermaker, and he would make gates and fences and things for everybody else. We never had a, a gate across our driveway at home. He never got around to doing that because he was always busy helping others. And he was like that. He served, and he, and he loved doing it. It was never a problem. Um, and in some ways, I'm a bit like that as well. I mean, I enjoy helping people. So people you could look at who are like that were Martha in Luke 10, 38 to 42, Tabitha in Acts 9, 36, and the first deacons. They were there to serve practically in Acts 6, 2 to 6. So serving, people who love to serve others. Teaching, teaching. A teacher is one who imparts knowledge and skills meticulously. She will have a desire to teach and always be explaining things. She'll concentrate on having the correct information and will not communicate unless she has accurate, proven facts. She is truth-centered and loves researching, reading, and gathering facts. She prefers studying to actually presenting the information and is jealous of her study time, sometimes staying up too late and missing sleep. She's not satisfied with the bare minimum and will give all the possibilities. She will test the knowledge and accuracy of what others say. She wants to know if it is relevant to our lives. She will establish foundational principles in a thorough, systematic way. She is irritated by out-of-context information and avoids non-biblical illustrations. She is motivated to discover why things happen. Sometimes she is so busy studying she forgets to apply what she has learnt. She can also be so busy researching information that she leaves no room for the Holy Spirit in her teaching. She may appear proud and nitpicky or distant and aloof. She's actually thinking and analyzing. She must be careful when teaching not to want to give every single little detail. We need these teachers for our good and our growth. They will take the church out of ignorance in any given field. And you know people here who are teachers, who love to teach, who love to dig in and do all the research and find stuff, and then share it with others. So Jesus was a teacher, a natural teacher. Philip, in Romans 12, to, uh, verse 7. Priscilla and Aquila, in Acts 18, 26. They wanted to make sure um, that what was being taught was being taught properly. Um, so teachers, you can recognize them. You know whether that's you or not as well. And some of you, you know, are natural-born teachers, and that was your profession as well. So... Uh, Teachers. Thirdly, encouraging. An encourage or exhorter earnestly urges a person to action. He never looks to past failures, but always to future hopes. He loves to, stir, to spur people on, to add courage. That's what encourage means, to put courage on someone. He is motivated to see others succeed and cannot stand negativity, defeat, or lethargy. He stimulates others to personal progress and is loved because he loves people. The encourager doesn't just talk about what can be done. He produces a plan of action. There will be no option but for the person to do it. If something cannot be done, he will throw it away and find another way. He often doesn't take no for an answer. He will turn trials into triumphs, problems into possibilities. He needs people to respond to his encouragement because that's how he judges his success. The teacher is word-centered, but the encourager is experience-centered. He doesn't enjoy teaching that isn't practical, and he loves personal conferences that show 
how to. He loves counseling and is eager to see positive responses. He can sometimes oversimplify the steps needed to achieve something without filling all the details or ensuring that the person he is encouraging has revelation knowledge as to the whys and the hows. His confidence can be overwhelming. He can seem overpowering and threatening, giving, giving the impression that you have no choice but to do what he says. The encourager wants to walk before he can crawl. He wants to heal first and teach afterwards. The encourager wants to see people motivated, encouraged, zealous for the things of God. We really need these people in the church. They help us to, to do things for God we never dreamed possible. And if we fail, they're there to help us over the mountain of impossibility. They increase our faith. Now, encouragement and rebuke go together. Titus 2.15, these then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Proverbs 27.6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Who are the encouragers? Paul. Colossians 2.2, Titus in Ephesians 6.22, and Barnabas, Acts 14.19-22. You can look at those and see how they encouraged others. Fourthly, giving. The giver is generous, giving energy, time, and money to the cause of the gospel. She is one who sees opportunities and takes them and succeeds in them. The giver is motivated to prosper for the purpose of giving to the kingdom of God, and its people. She is a tither or sacrificial giver. She gives the best, not second-hand handouts. She has insight in business. She is big-hearted, self-motivated, and sincere. She often sees needs others miss. She will go with, without to see others get. Because of the law of giving, as you sow, so shall you reap, she will not go without for long. Her enjoyment comes more from the response to her giving than the giving itself. She usually gives secretly and quietly. She is also able to inspire others to give generously. These people will be a threat to the kingdom of darkness and will often be the object of persecution. She is motivated to make life easier materialistically for others. There is a danger that she can use her gift to manipulate. This is sometimes how others see her. This is a God-given gift, and God is the source of this gift. Giving materialistically is, is pleasing to God spiritually. It imitates God, who is spirit, and yet he gives generously. The church needs the giver to give as well as to inspire and encourage to flow in this gift. Who are some of the givers? The women that supported Jesus. We don't know many of their names or hardly any of their names, but they were there when Jesus was traveling around. There were women, it says, that supported him, and they provided so much more. And yet, if you think about it, they weren't the breadwinners, but yet they did things, and they gave enthusiastically and supported Jesus in this. The first one is leadership. A leader is one who gives direction and supervises with enthusiasm and singleness of purpose. Paul gives the example of the elder as a leader in 1 Timothy 5-7 and in the home in 1 Timothy 3-4. There are many areas where one can play a leadership role in the church under the leading and guiding of the leadership team. 
A leader is someone who enjoys managing things and getting them into order. He sets goals and motivates people to help him reach these goals. The leader gets on with the job and is impatient with those who do not. A leader is one who has insight into the way things will turn out and so makes wise decisions and plans. He evaluates the abilities of the people around him and is able to use them to best effect. His motto is work smarter, not harder. He will push through opposition and remain on course even when others disagree. His greatest fulfillment is to see the job well done. Great leaders thrive on problems and pressure and love doing things for God. The greater the challenge, the better. A natural leader will step in and make things happen when there is no obvious structure or leadership. He will only take things on for which he can assume a personal responsibility and is not keen to take on someone else's responsibility. Sometimes his ability to, dele to delegate make it, makes it look like everyone else is doing all the work, and it's important to see that he is coordinating and organizing, and without his leadership skills, the job will take much longer. A leader is work-centered, not people-centered, and this determination to get the job done may be seen as being cold and unfeeling. Sometimes there is a lack of effective communication of the vision that motivates him, leaving others confused, threatened, and demotivated. He may give the impression that he is using people, as in his enthusiasm he sometimes forgets that people get tired. Because of this, help is sometimes slow in coming forward. But remember, if you work with him, great things will be accomplished. Without leadership, the church will collapse. We need leaders who will be fully committed and devoted to serving the body of Christ and contributing all they have to it. And who are examples? There's a number of them. Paul, Moses, Joshua, the noble woman on Proverbs 31.10, Deborah, Judges 4. There's a whole lot. We can see leaders in there that got things done and we focus on what God had called them to do. The sixth gift is mercy. Mercy is the loving, caring attitude of God towards those who are hurting. A mercy giver is sensitive to the feelings of others and reaches out to bring comfort and compassion. She's motivated to bring relief from pain, to soothe and heal and bring about restoration. She's more motivated by mental anguish than physical pain. She's gentle and patient with the person she's ministering to and avoids firmness. She's particularly protective of the person, being careful not to be harsh or hurtful or to give offense. She's very aggressive towards anyone who is harsh and critical of them. She's spiritually discerning and will pick up hypocrites and phonies and withdraw from insensitive, insincere, dominating, and overpowering people. People with this gift are sometimes seen as weak by others. They are not analytical thinkers, but are idealists. A mercy giver is a good listener and a good neighbor who stimulates others to do likewise. A perfect biblical example of this is the Good Samaritan. In Colossians 3.12, every believer is called to show compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The person with this gift does not have to be told this. She is this. Mary, who anointed Jesus' feet with the perfume, was one. John 12.3, you can read of that. The sixth is hospitality. 
and we touched on this as well, but hospitality is the friendly and liberal re reception of, gift and, uh, of guests and strangers. This is the gift given to those of the body who enjoy receiving people in their homes. This can range from an impromptu cup of tea to an elaborate meal, from an overnight, uh, from an overnight guest to hosting a team for a week. The gift is evident in those who have the ability to make their, gift, their guests feel really at home. Some people do not feel comfortable receiving guests as they feel their home is too humble. A warm smile can be such a blessing. Take care of their needs and find out if they have any special requests. Many a weary traveler for the gospel has been made welcome with this gift. You never know, you might be entertaining angels. Scripture tells us that. Hospitality. It's one of those hidden gifts that we don't see much of or hear much of. You only hear of it later on when it's happened and somebody will tell you about how they were blessed by this person. Eight, speaking, prophecy. Again, something we've touched on. Speaking of prophecy here refers to one who speaks forth for God, one who is motivated to communicate. Now, and don't com uh, confuse this with the spiritual gifts of prophecy or the office of a prophet. So a person with a speaking of prophetic gift is a supportive gift to one who speaks forth the truth openly. As such, he is one who wants to know the truth. He's inclined to spend time in the Word and with the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He enjoys intimacy with the Lord. This person is concerned with right and wrong. He calls right things right and wrong things wrong. It might appear that the person with this supportive gift is sometimes critical or suspicious, but deep down there is a desire to correct, strengthen, encourage, and build up. Gifts that we need in the church. The desire is to break down what is not of God and re rebuild a new and beautiful life. It is never condemnation. and it's, We need to understand that. It is never condemnation. Even if there is a breaking down, it's never condemnation. It's so that they can rebuild. The motivation is rather to bring correction and thus healing and salvation. The method will be to expose sin and failure and he'll be accountable for his own walk. He's also able to see the gifts in people. He sees behind the mask we sometimes put up and convince them to do something about it. He helps bring people out of self-deception and into what is pleasing to Christ. He is direct, honest, to the point, and concerned for his own faults. The church needs people with this supportive gift to keep it in line. John the Baptist is a great example of that in Mark 1.1. And then Anna at the dedication of Jesus, Luke 2.41. The ninth, second to last gift, administration. The ability to manage the affairs of the church, 1 Corinthians 12.28 and Romans 12.8 speak of this. The Greek word for this gift is the same word that refers to a shipmaster or captain. The literal meaning is to steer or to rule or govern. It carries the idea of someone who guides and directs a group of people towards a goal or destination. Not leadership, but in a, in a different role. Okay? An administ administrator loves to organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others in the various ministries of the church. This gift is closely related to the gift of leadership, but is more goal or task-oriented 
and is also more concerned with detail and organization. Often you'll get a leader who is just out there and he needs an administrator alongside him to be able to put all those pieces together. This is more than handling the paperwork, the calendar, the administrative duties that are needed in the life of a church. It is more than that, but those are also needed. So it's one who draws alongside those that are seeing things and you can see the finer details and bring it all together. The last one is helps. The ability to support others or take care of their specific needs. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28 again. The Greek word that is translated helps is found only in this instance of the whole of the New Testament. It can mean both serving or helping others in a practical hands-on way, as well as serving or helping in a spiritual capacity. So it's both practical and spiritual. A person with this gift can be found doing the mundane but necessary jobs around the church, especially in a more traditional setting than our own, doing odd jobs around the building or helping out with the office work of the church. It can also have a more spiritual meaning, describing someone who draws alongside a new or struggling believer and helps them to come to grips with scripture and or dealing with doubts, fears, or any other spiritual questions or battles they may be facing. Now remember, these are all given by God to you for the benefit of others. All of us will have more than one of these gifts. You don't just get one gift. There are gifts given to us. And if you look at yourself, you might have recognized some of these in you. You also recognize them in, in others as you look around the, the, the hall. You'll see people and you can see what their gifts are. So remember, they are given by God to you for the benefit of others. We'll all have more than one of these gifts. Ask God to show you what your gifts are and also ask others who know you well what they see your gifts as because so often we don't see them in ourselves and others will tell us, but you do this or you do that and you, you don't even realize you're doing it because it's such a natural part of you. Our friends will often see the things in us that we don't see in ourselves. Now, if you want to dig a bit deeper in this, I do have a 180-question ministry or gifts questionnaire. It's not, a, it's not a long thing. It's a number of pages, and it's tick the boxes um, that I can send to you if you want to and take time to pursue this further. If you want to fine-tune some of it and see what it is, ask me, send me an email, and uh, I will send it out to you. Once you've done it, I'll then send you out how you can um, how you can mark it. There's a mark scheme for it as well. And just help you understand your gifts um, and your ministry gifts that God has given you. So it's always something good to do. Um, <clears throat> discussion questions. When I've put on there, because that's going to stay up, I've put the 10 gifts there so you can, you can look, out, look at them. So what stood out for you in this message? What was the thing that stood out? Then what gifts do you believe that you have? Why do you think so? Thirdly, what gifts do people, do you see in the people in your discussion group? Share why. And then fourthly, pray for one another as led by the Holy Spirit in this. So the 10 gifts are listed alongside the questions for easy reference. And for those that are online, if you'd like the ministry gift questionnaire, please email me on office at gracevineyard.co.uk and I'll send it through to you and then let me know when you've done it, and I'll send you how to mark it. So 
Thank you. Let's get on with discussion time. Thank you for those online. And uh, have a think of these questions. Amen.